0: The Galatians clearly think that they have received a modified and improved gospel, but Paul wants them to know very clearly that a modified gospel, a changed gospel, well, it is no gospel at all.
1: Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. And Jonathan, when we think about the gospel, the gospel that Paul gives us that is laid out in scripture is actually a fairly simple truth, uh, when we begin to add or subtract from that, wh- where is the danger in that?
0: Well, I think it's in precisely what you just said. It's the idea of adding or subtracting. The, the gospel that Paul taught, the gospel that Jesus proclaimed, the gospel that the Bible reveals to us, it, it is a simple message, and a child can understand and receive it. But we get into a lot of trouble when we take away from that gospel or we add to it. And and I think actually often our danger is adding to it, mm. adding to a message of grace, legal rules and requirements, things that we need to do in order
1: to be saved. When we maybe hear something that we're not sure is the true gospel, we think maybe somebody's adding a little something to that. Um, Is there maybe a passage of scripture or something that you go back to that you say, okay, that I know is an add-on.
0: Well, I think there are particular places in Scripture that give a really wonderful articulation of the core message of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel. And actually, one of the reasons I'm so thrilled that we're spending time in Galatians is because I think this is one letter where Paul spells things out so very clearly for us. And and we're going to start to look at that even today, but throughout the series.
1: Well, we're going to be, as Jonathan just said, in the book of Galatians. We're in chapter one, looking at the first 10 verses as we begin a message called Only the Real Deal. Here is Jonathan.
0: Perhaps the most famous story of fraud in modern history is the story of New York stockbroker Bernie Madoff. Madoff was one of the biggest names in finance in New York, and his 4,800 clients were devoted to him and to his fund for his remarkable performance. But in 2008, Bernie's sons reported him to the authorities, and he was arrested for securities fraud. At trial, it was revealed that Madoff's fund was the largest and the most sophisticated phony investment scheme in financial history. He was sentenced to 150 years in prison, and he was required to pay $170 billion in restitution to his clients. Madoff targeted a sophisticated clientele in Long Island. He came with a clever message of an investment strategy with huge growth potential, and he took people in by their thousands and their money by its billions. It was a convincing message, a great pitch, and yet it was pure fraud. There was no substance to it. And when the truth finally came out, the people who had bought in, well, they suffered terrible loss. Paul's letter to the Galatians rings with an urgency and a concern that is hardly found in his other letters. The apostle is gripped by a deep concern for this vulnerable young church at Galatia. He's concerned for them because he knows that the believers at Galatia have been taken in by frauds, and he knows that this deception, if it goes on unchecked, could cost them very dearly. There is something appropriate, I think, about studying Galatians together this year in particular. 2017 marks the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, where Martin Luther, as you'll know, followed by many others, rediscovered and recovered the heart of the Christian gospel, the message of justification by faith alone through grace alone and the letter to the Galatians and its clear declaration of the gospel was absolutely key to this great rediscovery 500 years ago. Luther once said of Galatians that the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle to which I have wedded myself. There's something historically appropriate about studying Galatians together in this 500th year of the Reformation, but our interest in Galatians isn't all about history. Our interest in Galatians is all about the gospel, and its message for us is entirely contemporary. In Galatians, we hear an urgent and a contemporary call to turn away from false gospels and pseudo gospels and distorted gospels and to embrace afresh the true gospel, the message of God's saving grace to us in Jesus Christ. As we read the letters of the New Testament, it's always important on every occasion for us to remember that these letters were written into real-life historical situations. They weren't abstract documents designed to end up on a bookshelf in a theological library. These were urgent messages sent into real-life situations, very often situations of crisis. And we never really get to grip with the message of the New Testament letters until we gain some kind of an appreciation of the situation into which they were being written. Now, happily, Paul makes pretty clear pretty early on the nature and the dynamics of the situation at Galatia. He does so early in the letter here in verses 6 to 9 of of chapter 1. So that's actually where we're going to begin this morning. We're going to look at the crisis in Galatia. And then we're going to go back to the beginning and see how and why Paul begins his letter. So first then, a genuine crisis. Verse 6, I'm astonished, says Paul, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, he says and observes, this is what he's heard, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now you'll know that normally in Paul's letters, he begins with a kind of a greeting and a word of thanksgiving for the believers that he is writing to. He'll thank God for their faith and their service, their growth, and and their witness. He even manages to do that actually at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, if you remember that letter. A letter written to a church in the grip and the depths of the most appalling moral crisis. But not here. No thanksgiving here in Galatia. No thanksgiving for this particular church at the moment. In Galatians, at the point in the letter where a thanksgiving would normally come, Paul instead has this to say, I am astonished. I am astonished at you. I'm astonished that you would so quickly wander away and be taken in by a fraud. False teachers have come into the church at Galatia. They've thrown the believers into confusion. They are trying to pervert the gospel and distort the gospel. And worst of all, they are actually finding some success. They are managing to lure some believers to begin to turn away from the gospel that they once received, even from the apostle himself. The other Saturday, there was a little antique car show going on not so far from here. We were passing through and just stopped to have a look at a a few of the cars on display there, some of the nice old cars that people had brought for us to look at. It's always fun to go to shows like that. One person, uh, my son and I, we were were looking at their car and they said, oh, you know, open up, why don't you go in and have a seat and, and, and explore it a little bit, and that was fun sometimes at these shows, you you see cars that people have brought that they've really kind of rebuilt and remodeled and personalized. They've added their own personal touches. They've kind of souped them up and put a new engine in and and added various aftermarket things to them. I have to say, I never like those kind of cars quite so much. I'm always drawn to the Uh, ones that are in original condition, the real classics. The ones that have been preserved and restored in such a way that they look like they've just rolled off the assembly line. And they capture in a nutshell their kind of era of history. Now, I think I'm not alone in that. I I gather that in the kind of classic car market, the cars that are really valuable, that are going to fetch hundreds and thousands, if not millions of dollars, are the ones that are in perfect, pristine, unchanged, original condition. If you take an old Mustang and you change the engine and you soup it up and you change the bodywork, the purist would say, well, it's not a Mustang anymore. Well, so it is with the gospel of grace. The Galatians clearly think that they have received a modified and improved gospel from these visiting teachers. Perhaps they have received even a corrected gospel, but Paul wants them to know very clearly, verse 7, that a modified gospel, a changed gospel, well, it is no gospel at all. Now Paul doesn't stop at this point in the letter to go over the details of this modified gospel. The Galatians, of course, they know full well what they've been told by these other teachers. But from our vantage point from this distance, we need to look out pretty carefully through the letter for clues as to what was being taught, what the uh, distortion was. We're going to explore that a little bit more fully as we work our way through the letter. But it'll help us as we begin the series, I think, just to glance forward in Galatians and to gain a little sense of the nature of this distortion. There are a few different places where we could look to explore this a bit more, but the beginning of chapter 5 is pretty key, and I wonder if you'd turn there with me, the beginning of chapter 5. Notice what Paul says, chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. The story seems to be something along these lines. Paul went to Galatia, Gentile territory in modern-day Turkey. He went there bringing the apostolic gospel of grace a number of people accepted the message and were converted to Christ. They trusted in Jesus and his death to pay the penalty for their sin and to secure their right standing before God, their peace with God. A church was formed through Paul's missionary activity. And so Paul departs to take the gospel on to the next place. A little while later, some missionaries from a Jewish background come to the region and they brought a slightly different message. oh oh yes, Jesus is the Messiah, they said. That's good. It's good to understand that. That's a great starting point for acceptance with the God of Israel. But of course, that's not enough in and of itself, understanding that and believing that. It's a great start. But everyone knows that the God of Israel has always required those who would follow Him, those who would be in right relationship with Him, He's always required folk to observe certain rites and certain rituals. That's always been part of the deal. I mean, obviously, you're going to need to be circumcised, you men, if you are going to be right with God. Obviously, chapter 4 and verse 10, you're going to need to keep the Jewish calendar. It's wonderful to have faith in the Messiah. That's a great thing. But in order to be right with God, to be safe on the day of judgment, there are certain things you're going to need to do as well. You see, the Apostle Paul had taught that faith in Jesus, trusting in Jesus and His work, that was all that was needed for salvation. But these new missionaries were teaching that salvation required both faith and obedience to the law. And Paul writes with urgency to let these Galatians know that this modification of the gospel, this distorted gospel, is really no gospel at all. And because this is so serious, because the stakes here are so high, Paul's words of response are actually incredibly strong. Chapter 1 and verse 8, back to our passage, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. I know many of us have been following the news surrounding the hurricane in recent days. It is a tragic and a terrifying situation for people of the Caribbean and of Florida and the surrounding states. It's been pretty sobering to listen to some of the press announcements by government officials down in that region in recent days. The governor of Florida got on the camera pleading with the people of South Florida and of the Keys in particular to take the warning seriously and to get out while they still can. Local officials have told people to leave in very urgent terms, insisting that if they stay, they are on their own, telling some in the most vulnerable regions that a decision to stay really is a suicidal decision, insisting that if they dial 911 in the midst of the crisis, no one's going to come, no one's going to be there to help them. It's been quite a study in how to say things like you really mean it. Well, here in verses 8 and 9, Paul is saying it like he really means it. He is quite literally saying that a person who brings a distorted gospel deserves to go and should go straight to the place of eternal condemnation, even to hell itself. Why does Paul care so much? Why is he so astonished, so concerned, so agitated?
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message that's called Only the Real Deal. It's part of a series called Jesus Plus Nothing where we're taking a look at the book of Galatians. And glad that you've tuned in today as we're beginning this series. I hope that you will make it a point to tune in each and every day, but I want you to know, if you ever miss a broadcast, you can always come to the website and listen online. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, our website address is EncounterTheTruth.org. Let's get back to the message once again. Here is Jonathan.
0: Why does Paul care so much? Why is he so astonished, so concerned, so agitated? Well, he's concerned because he knows that the gospel of grace is actually a matter of life and death. He knows that the gospel is about surviving the coming storm of the judgment of God. He knows it matters, and he knows it matters a great deal. Paul's response to these teachers and the strength of his response to these teachers, well, it gives us a hugely important message. It tells us that when the gospel is on the line, we need to reject false gospels and pseudo-gospels and distorted gospels in the strongest way possible terms. When the gospel is being distorted or denied by those who claim to be teachers in the Christian church, we need to fight for the truth. If you were with us a year ago when we studied the Uh, letter of Philippians together, you may remember that Paul came up against some opposition in Philippi. He came across some opponents in that letter, other teachers who were clearly out to do him some harm, and who were preaching Christ, he said, out of false motives. But it's very interesting to see how different his approach is to those particular teachers and those opponents in that context. Just listen to what he says at the beginning of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15. It is true, he says, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Now, what a difference in tone, what a difference in approach. In Galatians, Paul is saying that these opposing teachers should be eternally condemned. In Philippi, he is saying that he rejoices in his opponent's teaching. What's the difference? Well, the difference is this. The gospel is on the line in Galatia, and it's clearly not on the line in Philippi. They've got bad motives, these teachers, but they're teaching the true gospel. So praise God, let them get on with it. There's certainly a lesson for us here in terms of our discernment. When figuring out whether to partner with another Christian organization for some local evangelism or something like that, when thinking through doctrinal differences within the church even here, when deciding whether a particular teacher is trustworthy, our line in the sand always must be this, is the gospel at stake? Do our differences amount to a difference in the gospel that we believe and we teach? Or are the differences more superficial? Where the gospel isn't on the line, Paul models to us a graciousness that we could learn from. We see something of it in Philippi. We see it elsewhere in his letters if we had time to look. But where the gospel is on the line, as it is on the line at Galatia, where there is a doctrinal issue that touches upon salvation— Paul shows us how to be clear and how to be urgent. His example in Galatians tells us there is a line in the sand that cannot be crossed. 500 years ago, Martin Luther came to see and understand that there was a line in the sand that had been crossed by the medieval church. Various practices and the public teaching of the church struck at the very heart of the gospel and undermined it. It struck at the very heart of the truth that we are justified by faith and not by works. And so Luther stuck his neck out and he wrote out his 95 theses and he stuck them to the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg in the autumn of 1517. He sparked a theological reformation that would divide the Roman church, that would transform the landscape of Europe and bring saving faith to many millions of people. There was a line in the sand. The gospel was at stake, and Luther, for one, saw what needed to be done. I think we Canadians don't embrace conflict very readily or very quickly. We sort of culturally incline toward a middle ground. We prize tolerance, we avoid extremes, and all that is well and good. That is a commendable thing in many respects. But when it comes to the truth of the gospel, We need to be willing, perhaps against some of our cultural instincts, to stand up and be clear. When we encounter teaching that calls itself Christian, that calls itself orthodox, but that undermines the core of the gospel, we need to be willing to call it what it is and then to distance ourselves from it. In some ways, it might feel as though Paul is tackling an issue here in Galatians that that isn't a problem for us that's very remote from us. After all, this church has always been very clear about justification by faith alone. We teach that truth regularly and loudly and clearly. But the reality is that the default mode of the human heart is to believe that we can and we should save ourselves through our own good deeds, through our own good works. That's just the way we're hardwired in our sinfulness. And the doctrine of justification by works is deeply embedded in our thinking. It's the theology at the heart, really, of every other major world religion. And it will constantly creep into our thinking if we allow it to. And the way this worksy kind of thinking will gain ground in a long-established Bible-teaching, gospel-believing church like ours, I I think is in this kind of a way. We say and we believe that we are justified by faith through God's grace alone. But we then go on to say that genuine Christians will do X, Y, and Z. Clearly, genuine Christians will not do A, B, and C. Clearly, God requires us to use our money in such and such a way, to run our homes or raise our children in such and such a way, to serve in the church's ministry in such and such a way. And pretty soon, if we're not very careful about it, we can end up with a pretty long, unwritten, extra-biblical list of do's and don'ts that God requires of us, if we're really going to be in right standing with him if we're really going to be saved. And the danger is that we come to believe that our adherence to a list of extra biblical do's and don'ts is necessary for salvation. And actually, the more ingrained that list, whatever it may be, becomes in a church culture, the more risk we run of losing sight of the gospel of grace.
1: Well, we have to pause the teaching right here. This is Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and the first message in our series, Jesus Plus Nothing. It's called Only the Real Deal as we've begun to look at the first 10 verses of the book of Galatians. We're going to continue this message next time, but if you want to make sure that you don't miss it, want you to know you can always be listening to this radio station at this time. You can also listen through the Encounter the Truth website. Just come to EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that we're listener supported. It is your generosity that keeps Jonathan's teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount, we want to send you a book called God's Big Picture, Tracing the Storyline of the Bible. It's written by Vaughn Robertson. Jonathan, I know that you know Vaughn. How has the concept that he addresses in this book maybe helped shape your ministry in some way?
0: Well, I think the outline he's given here has actually been quite formative for me over the years. I've said before, and you're hearing, Steve, that I think this is one of the most helpful books, Christian books, I've ever read. I remember actually being present when Vaughn taught some of this material in Oxford when I was an undergraduate student there uh, 20 years ago and more. And I remember it being very, very helpful then, and then subsequently reading the material, being quite formative for me, because it gives us a framework for understanding how the different parts of the Bible and the the elements of the storyline of salvation fit together within a coherent whole. And I think for our listeners, this will be a tremendous blessing
1: and a real help. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, God's Big Picture, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. To give a gift online, come visit our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, or call us at 833-998-7884. That might be easier to remember as 833-99-TRUTH, or again, our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. For Jonathan Griffiths and our producer Mark Breda, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.